Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. I am. It's very humbling that um, I don't feel like all that, to be honest with you. Thank you. And um, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be here as well. Um, if, If you were to say, did I start the sunset service, it's not quite true. More like it got... It lobbed in like Moses in a basket into my midst and I was too compassionate to say, we'll go off and die somewhere else. Is, is the... Maybe you heard something different to what I thought I was saying there. I, uh, the, people who were, the people who were leading, the leading at the time left very rapidly and then Phil and Kaz said, do you want to do it? Like, you're going to do it? And I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> And I want to just tell you that that's not necessarily such a bad thing just to, just to say, well, I will do this thing. I'll be willing to do this thing even though I don't feel like I'm up to it. Uh, it's maybe the model you might have seen even in Exodus. Uh, Moses says, who am I? I've spent a lot of my life saying, who am I? And when we go over to Cambodia, we have a partnership with a uh, church in Cambodia called Light Church. And, and we go there and, you know, those of you who'd go would know sometimes they, they treat you like you're better better than humans for some reason. And I go and I say, I'm nobody. I'm actually nobody. Like we're just people. Uh, I love God and I try to love people. And so I look around this room and I go, man, what a treasure it is to see some of you who I've known for a lot of years and uh, to hear such wonderful words. And I, I know that you're not making them up, that, they, uh, that they're words of truth. And so that uh, that, I think, is what they mean in the Bible. When the missionaries uh, when came and did their work, Apollos or Barnabas or Paul, and they said, I, will, I long to see how your faith's going and I want to come and be with you and see how you're going because you are, you are my joy and my treasure. That's how I feel. I look around and go, man, you are my joy and my treasure to see how some of you have grown in your faith. Um, and to hear there's new people in the room is really good. Zave and I are the new ones tonight. It's my boy over there. Um, very exciting. Um, we're, the, we're the new ones, but there's, there's just joy for us to be here. Um, so thank you. Um, open up to uh, Exodus chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible and you want to get one, it's over there. I'm actually going to need someone's help with this. I'd like, a, I'd like someone to play the character of Jethro. In this, so you can you can do it from your seat, or you can come up and stand up here with me. But I I thought in terms of us reading the scriptures together, it might be good if I play everyone else, and then someone plays Jethro for the part of it, and then I'll say, "Go sit down." Matthew would like to be Jethro. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, did you just want to come and stand next to me? <laughs> One of my joys. One of my treasures is named Matthew McKenzie. Um, I, yep, I, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> okay, so you get to be Jethro. Do you want the, like, the iPad or do you want, like, do you know Exodus 18 off by heart and you can do his part? <laughs> All right, yeah, you can do that bit. Okay, so I'm going to read a bit and then you'll play the part of Jethro. Do you want to grab that microphone so it's ready? Is that all right? Okay. 
I'm reading from the New Living just in case your words are different to mine. Uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. Earlier Moses had sent his wife Zipporah and his two sons back to Jethro, who had taken them in. In brackets. Moses' first son was named Gershom, for Moses had said when the boy was born, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. His second son was named Eleazar, for Moses had said, The God of my ancestors was my helper. He rescued me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent a message to Moses, saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to see you with your wife and your two sons. So, so <laughs> you're very generous. Yeah, I just read like eight lines and he read two. <laughs> Back to the passage. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed low and kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told about all the hardships they'd experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. Praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods, because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. We'll pause there, but don't go too far, Matthew. Or maybe you can do that. You know where they go. All right. So that's kind of, it's setting the scene a little bit. Thank you, Mr. McKenzie. I know you're not done. There's another, like, just kind of don't go too far. <laughs> One of the many reasons I love you so much. So, so God's had this major victory, uh, and in comes Jethro, and he's quite a mysterious figure, isn't he? Jethro, the priest of Midian or leader of the Midianites. Well, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Is he worshipping God or is he worshipping idols? The answer to that is yes. Very ambiguous. He's a very ambiguous figure. Um, and the Midianites themselves are ambiguous figures in the, in the scriptures because in the time of uh, Deborah in Judges chapter 4, the Midianites are friendly with the Israelites. You know that story with the tent pegs? Midianite, Kenite woman, so on God's side. And in the time of David and Saul, the same. But in the time of Gideon, baddies are the Midianites. So they were the ones coming and stealing all their grain and stuff. The Midianites were the ones who... Uh, Gideon defeated. So very ambiguous character. And, and you, you probably read in there that he says, now I know that the God is the true God. And you think, what does that mean? Did he not know before? Does he know when he was reminded? Like, it's supposed to be a bit ambiguous. So he's a bit of a mysterious character. But you see there's a real love between Moses and his father-in-law. There's a real respect that goes on there. Because Moses has just pulled off by the hand of God this amazing coup, you know, releasing his a million people, or round about that, um, from, from under the noses with all the money of the Egyptians who were the ruling power in the world. 
and, and out they go. And the whole of Exodus is a picture, like it's a real event, but it's a picture for us of faith and life. And not just about becoming free, but about how to learn to think as free people, to learn to act as free people. Because they keep saying, oh man, the graves were better in Egypt. Why did you bring us out of here to die? They just hadn't learned to think and be free. You've got to actually not just be free. You've got to think as free people and act as free people. And so Jethro plays this important part uh, today in that story. But where he sits in that, we're not quite sure. Um, and I think oh, I'd like to say right at the start, the start here, we've got to have an understanding that it's God who does these things. Jethro rejoices in God. That he rejoices that God has done this. God did this. And we pay, a, me, we, hope I can say that, we pay lip service to that idea. Yeah, God is the one who does it. But we, we actually have to understand it all through our bodies, in our working life, in our home life, in our difficult relationships, that it's God who is the bringer of freedom. It's God who releases us from slavery. It's God who will continue to do that. He doesn't just set you on your way and say, see you later. It's God who does it. Um, now, uh, Moses seems to be learning that, but not quite there. If you're looking down in verse 16, he says this interesting phrase when Jethro asks him what he's doing. Moses says, the people keep coming, and I'm the one who has to answer their questions. I am the one. Didn't he say right at the start, who am I? In chapter 3, who am I? And now he's saying, I'm the one. He's got it wrong both times. So he's still in process of learning that God is the one who has to do this stuff. So I want you to be a bit practical here. I'll tell you a story of mine in a minute. But just so we can be thinking as I'm talking, um, I want you to think and talk with each other for a minute. This is uh, participatory church. Um, you don't have to talk back to me. Don't talk to me. Please. Um, no, but talk to each other. Where, where are you at risk? of being like Moses here, saying, I'm the one. Where are you at risk of thinking that God is the one, but actually thinking, no, I've got to make this happen myself. It's up to me to make it happen. Where are you at risk of doing that? Give you about only a minute or two. Talk, 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 go. All right. As, um, I don't know which areas particularly came out for you, maybe home life, maybe job, maybe money, might be future plans, all those sort of things. Um, I, know, I know for me, one of mine has been ministry and uh, often it's, the little clue is you feel anxious about it. Um, anxiety is, you're only anxious about things you care about, right? It's just, it's just care gone mental. I don't, I'm sorry, that sounds really uncompassionate. I don't, I'm sorry, that didn't come out right. It's care that's actually gone dysfunctional on us. It's, it's dysfunctional care where you go, I'm, I'm taking territory of care that's not my duty of care. That's what anxiety is. You're never anxious about things you don't care about. You're like, whatever. doesn't matter what happens to that. You're anxious about things you care about. So for me, one of mine's been ministry. You know, I, I set up, you know, planted this stuff by accident, the sunset community or the evening community, but I cared deeply about it and I was anxious about it a lot of times. Uh, before that, kind of, there was a few people doing youth, but I got the joy of planting that really as well. And so I look at, I look at the youth stuff here and I'm really excited 
We're going to see you at Soul Survivor if you're coming this year. We're taking our three people with us. <laughs> that is big, by the way. There's more than the Sapitas family coming with sight. Um, you know, I got a chance to pioneer some of those things and you feel, I've got to make this happen when you're the leader so I can identify a bit with Moses. I've got to make this happen. I'm the one who people are looking to. And so that's where I'm tempted to take over and feel like it's my job to do all this. If I don't do this, finish the sentence there. And I, I snapped my Achilles tendon a couple of years ago. Has anyone else snapped their Achilles in the room here? Any? Don't. By the way, <laughs> just don't. Really not good. You can't drive for a few weeks. Can't walk for a uh, long time. Long time. I was just on crutches and stuff. And God had to teach me a lesson about this. Actually, it was this chapter. It's you can't be everything. You can't, you can't make everything happen. You're not supposed to make everything happen. And you've got to, you've got to get unraveled. And, I, and there were some guys from Northridge who prayed for me when I came to Soul Survivor a few years ago and I was hobbling or something like that. And they prayed for healing. Were you one of them, Pete? I don't know. There was, there was a handful of them who came and prayed for me. Thanks for remembering, by the way. <laughs> but, but they prayed for me for healing. And I said, guys, I love that you prayed for me. I want to tell you why I hope that I don't get healed tonight. I, I have had a 40-year problem with thinking I'm in control. And I've only been six months in recovery. And I need longer <laughs> to do this. And God's teaching me through my injury so I, want, I need a bit more time here. I'm hoping God doesn't heal me yet because I don't, I don't want to move on till I'm healed properly. You know what I mean? When God reveals, sometimes we get afraid because we, we don't want to get exposed or feel vulnerable and so we hide. But God reveals so he can heal. And I had to take the time on that to go, God, you're revealing this. I don't want to fake healing. I don't want a half healing. I want you to heal my heart and heal my life because it's got to be you. It's got to be you, God. Um, so wherever you are with that, I want to challenge you. What are you going to do about it? If God's revealing it, what are, you going to, what are you going to let him do? Do you have to push in with that and get, get kind of messy on it? Do you have to let go of something? Do that. Whatever that is, if God's stirring, he wants to heal that thing. When the enemy stirs, he wants to stir trouble. And accuse you. That's how you know whether it's uh, the devil or God stirring it. If you if you're feeling accused, that's the enemy. If you're feeling convicted, that's God. And God's going to convict you so He can heal. It can sometimes be pain, equally painful, but this one heals you. It's a wonderful thing. Okay, Matthew, come back up. This is Jethro's wise advice. So now you get to be the hero of the story. Do you want to grab that one? We're at verse thirteen. The next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, What are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. That was a bad one. <laughs> Not a Freudian, just a slip. <laughs> Is it your part yet? No, it's mine. <laughs> I inform you. We can't go anywhere yet, can we? Come on, laugh again. And tell me when you're ready to move on. You're not. No. 
I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will, help, they will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10 these men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. Thank you, Matthew. Goodbye. Don't say goodbye. Just see you soon. Well done, Matthew. You may give him a round of applause. It's <laughs> great. Um, Problem is, there's so much I want to say about that, but I'm going to move, like, just skip right on, uh, because I think we can get pretty practical at this point, and I think um, it it does, in a way, speak for itself, doesn't it? Moses says, "I've been doing all this stuff. You don't understand the pressures of my job, blah blah blah." And his father-in-law says, "No, this is not good. Not good for you. Not good for the people. Not good for the potential leaders that you're trying to carry it all. Stop it." And <laughs> So, well, not stop it, actually. That's not fair, is it? Stop. Don't stop it. Start doing the thing you're supposed to be doing and stop trying to do everyone else's job. Stop trying to be everything to everyone. Let everyone. He's actually asking Moses to help the people grow up. You know, they're not needing to be spoon-fed. Let some other leaders grow. Let some other people find the gifts and use their gifts. And then you can do the thing that you're meant to be doing. So leadership is not about doing everything. And sometimes leaders don't want to give other people jobs to do because they think I'm just making people do my dirty work for me. Yes? It's not that. Just stop it. Start, start allowing other people, you know. Uh, start allowing other people in. Now, here's where it starts with. You've got to sincerely ask the question that uh, Matthew asked via Jethro's mouth. What are you really accomplishing here? Now, um, one of Australia's best-known sociologists is a guy named Hugh Mackay. He wrote a book called um, The Good Listener. And he says, we all, we all live with this cage. Uh, and through the bars of that cage, there are our family history, uh, our opinions, uh, our core beliefs. We see the world through these bars. And this, is, this makes us feel safe and we understand our world through it. Uh, through those things. This is why, by the way, you should always like different things on Facebook or Instagram or something that you don't like because Facebook knows that you live within a cage and they reinforce that cage. I'm talking the things you know about, aren't I? You know that Facebook puts you in that cage. Um, always like different things. Like, like some things you don't like 
You know, just go and like the Bob Catter page one day if you're really like left apologies. Go to Bob Catter's page and just like a few posts so that your cage stays bigger. Because what Hugh Mackay says happens is that when people question your cage, we don't listen, we reinforce our cage. We get more defensive. When someone says a hard thing to you, most of us make the bars double strong. We, we, we retreat into our cage, we get defensive. So if you're going to sincerely ask the question, what are you really accomplishing here? I want to remind you to listen to God on the answer, if it's easier, if it's hard. Uh, until we're willing to be honest to ourselves and honest to God, some of these, some of these deep things aren't going to change. So with my Achilles, it was hard. It was hard work to go, what, what am I doing? I know... I brainstormed. For me, I just someone had accused me of being, I don't know what it was, jealous, controlling. And I thought, that's not quite right. But I'm just going to do a brainstorm of all the bad things I could be. So I'm like, God, inspire my pen. Wrote down all the bad words I could be. <laughs> just wrote them all down. And then I said, God, which ones are true and which ones are not? And it was really hard, but it was really great because God brought up this anxiety thing. I'm not an anxious person, but I, I've been an anxious leader care for people so much that I get really anxious for them and I hadn't spotted that because I've got dreadlocks no one with dreadlocks is anxious (laughs) you know none of us work we don't we we don't ever wash so like what have we got to be worried about so anyway I was I am I'm, I'm in process but I had to be a bit honest about that with God not not easy just to put the cage down but you know David says it in Psalm 139 he says search me God Know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. He's inviting God to see what he can't see. I can't see clearly, God. Would you see me? And, and, and as you reveal things, you're going to heal things. Um, I want to just move on to the practical at this point um, and say that God doesn't just say to Moses, stop, stop it. He says, start doing these things. Here's some things to start to do. Once you've accepted I'm doing this stuff, here's some practical things to do. To unpack it. Note writers, you'll love this because it's a list. And, and I'm working with Greshi on this great project at the moment, which is about grammar, which, by the way, I'm not very good at, but this is why I'm doing it. And so I noticed the grammar in here. There's a couple of great verbs in, in the, the passage there. Verbs are doing word. You can tell I'm a primary school teacher as well. Teach. Give. Show. Select. Appoint. Don't just stop doing things. Teach people what it is that's going on here. Give them the skills. Give them the tools about what to do. Show them how to do it. And then Matt paused well as he said, but also, but select some people. It's an active process. Select some people, appoint them, give them responsibility, let them take responsibility of it. Now this, by the way, is very common practice in business. Nothing new. Teach, show, appoint, select. Let people do their things. This is pretty common. In church, it's not as common. Sometimes we get a bit stifling in our, in our leadership. Sometimes we don't let go of things that are important to us because we're worried if we give them away, it might become a bit of a mess. It's not as, it's not as common. It's actually common sense though, isn't it? It's common sense leadership if you're going to do that. Now, by the way, if you don't realise that you're leading anyone, it's all right. You'll work it out at some point who you're leading. But if you, if you can't think of who to apply it to, just apply it to yourself. Self-leadership. 
and that's another two-day seminar that I'm not going to give. Uh, it's a big topic, self-leadership. Um, but if that's you, can I just give you a few tips if, if, you're, if you're not really sure who you're leading? How well are you leading yourself? How do you go when people rattle your cage? Do you run a mile or fight back or point out what's wrong with them? How well do you go with that? Um, do you tell anyone in your world how you're going? Do they know good days, bad days? Is there anyone who knows that? If not, why not? Just these are, these are little things. When something goes wrong, do you blame? Or do you apologise and own, own your mistakes? Apologise. I feel like I apologise way more than I want to. <laughs> but that's, that's actually a really good thing. Um, because I'm in transition from being a selfish hypocrite uh, into being a less selfish hypocrite. Um, but if you don't apologise often, um, start. Take responsibility. Don't blame. Don't boast. These are the things. If you're not sure who you're leading, how well are you leading yourself? Do you love to see other people succeed? Do you take joy when other people do well at things that you do well at? Or do you feel like you're suddenly not on the podium anymore because there's not enough room if they do well for you to do well? God is a God of abundance. If you're in a, if you're in official ministry role, just go write down that list of things that I said and go through it. Teach, show, appoint, all that sort of thing. Just check in. How are you going with that? If you're a life group leader... Um, you're, you're probably one of those people who's appointed over 50s, 100s, thousands. Um, your, your role in this community is huge. It is such an important role that you have if you're a life group leader, home group leader. Uh, you're like the lifeblood. For some people, life group is the stuff that's church. This is the thing they do to be together, but life group are the people who know them, share life with. When you, when you want to cry, you want to cry there because they know when you're faking it when you're not as well. When you've got a success, they're the ones to know. When you need help, they're the people who you turn to. So if you're a life group leader, um, we might pray for you in a minute. Uh, it's such a critical thing. Um, and thank you. Because it's not easy, is it? To lead, it's just hard work some days. And if you're waiting for a thank you, then you're still thinking that you're the one. You know, there's, there's a better thank you than a thank you of a person. And you won't get it some days. Like I have a day like this and Greshi says, you're the reason I became a pastor. I didn't know that till today. I didn't know those things. I know that Burns here because I welcomed him on the first day he was here. He stayed because we'd have that story often. And so it's a very precious story to me. But I didn't know that one. You won't get a lot of thank yous, but you're not, I'm not working for Gresh. Working for Jesus. So look for the right thank you. Um, if you're, I, th I think that's, you know what? I think it's, it's probably a good idea if we just stop and pray now. Because the unpacking can be done by the Holy Spirit. And I'm pretty sure we've just about gone over time, but it doesn't matter. If you need to go, you can go. Um, but I think God will also stir, will stir you on what it is you need to apply here um so let's just pause for a minute um if you feel like god's speaking something to you just go and tell one of you know chris or jen uh what you think that is because maybe god's gonna gonna be at work in us uh in this time
Uh, we want to be people who God's at work in, ongoingly that God's healing us. So let's just pause and pray. God, I thank you for the story of Exodus and the parable of Exodus. That it's, it's this picture of freedom from slavery, learning to be free and uh, learning to come face to face with fear and see you victorious over it. Uh, learning to know not how to deal with things and seeing you deal with them. Learning that you are everything that we need. And learning to let go 